This is Cole. Learn how to tell stories in logic. My God. <laughs> You're so, this is so hard. And this is Ron. Yes. I hate your guts. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie right there. Oh, desperation is a stinky cologne. We are the creative team. Oh, my God. I quit. Well, it's the big hole. Did you really just book that? <laughs> Michael Jordan and The Undertaker. Uh, in your face. One of them has 30 years, and the other one is just Michael Jordan. Woo! Welcome back to another exciting episode of... Oh! The Creative Team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team. Where? Where is it? Where? Where? The Creative Team. I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how the heck are you today, bud? Leaving it in. Leaving it in. That's what she said. Yes, absolutely. Leaving it in. I have to humbly admit my mistakes. You know, after weeks of Holst Cole Dawson, uh, <laughs> I can fuck up a button. It's okay. But... Uh, I was I was just about to le- fully lean into it as a I am your host, Cole Duffin, baby. <laughs> Should have done I'm it. I'm just gonna go for it. No, it's got it's got to come naturally. It, it'll happen again. You'll you'll have oh, a slump. Yes. Speaking of slump, you know we got a few episodes in the can recently, and you know uh, we, it's been a while since I talked to you. It's uh, it's nice to sit here and record. You know I'm 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 still feeling the uh, uh, the pain, the anguish of that uh, tremendous triumphant defeat last week. Um, wink, wink. Last week, but uh, last week's sabotage draft, our second annual. I mean, we didn't spend a year in between them, but I'm just gonna say annual. Um, yeah, our yeah. second round of the sabotage draft. Two to you, zero for me. If we're just going by the sabotage drafts, uh, you seem to have really cornered the market on just giving people <laughs> uh, taking shit and making it, you know, just a pile of shit. Well, I think what happened is that uh, you drafted for funny. And it worked in my favor is what it kind of came down to. You know, I drafted you more boring or just not good. And you went for the funny and I was able to make uh, at least funny, entertaining. Um, but yeah, the uh, super gimmick match with Vince Russo and David Arquette was my favorite thing. And uh, we got some shout outs even on the social medias for that. So uh, uh, pretty happy about it. Oh, not only shout-outs, let me tell you the the hole that you've dug yourself. Apparently, people are giving me, like, you know, uh, options for round three. They're like, you know, <laughs> you got to get, you got to draft these guys for Cole. Look at this roster. This was on national TV. It's within the rules. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yo, is, is Cole, like, the villain now? I, I, I hope he's getting uh, all these, like, random, like, messages saying, hey, go after these for Ron. It'll be great. No, no one's trying to help me because I mean I'm like 17 and one, so it's like the Yankees playing uh, playing against the Devil Rays right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, so you're telling me there's a chance I can catch up? You never know. You never know. I could go on a cold streak. Oh, a cold streak? Oh yes. Oh yes. So uh, on deck for today is. Uh, take it up with creative that you're very excited about. But I I think we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the biggest news basically in the history of professional wrestling at this point. Oh, yeah. Speaking uh, of clowning around. Yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon has officially stepped down from his position at WWE. And Stephanie has taken over as CEO. Triple H basically has 
full control now. He is head of creative and head of talent relations. So he is in charge of picking out the new talent and deciding what they're going to do on TV. So what I'd kind of like to do is pick your brain a little bit and, and we'll just see how this goes. If it runs on, then, you know, we maybe make this two, two episodes. And if not, then uh, we'll get, we'll fall into the take it up. But uh, what are you looking forward to most with triple H at the helm? And what do you, do you think it's going to be a completely different product after SummerSlam? Of course. I mean, we were already pretty much locked into SummerSlam. They'd advertised everything. So, you know, they're not just blowing up the summer SummerSlam card. They're going to wait till after. But um, what do you, do you think there's going to be a big change? And then I'd like to discuss what we think maybe we would do if, uh, you know, Triple H gave us a phone call. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're available. You know, our phone number is blah, 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 blah. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy news. You know, I had a naive thought that like Vince McMahon was Vince McMahon's tenure uh, as chairman of the board would outlive my life. I felt like that. I felt like I would be dead and he'd still be doing this. So it's like, I'm, yeah, it's he'd weird. be ninety five years old and still booking, writing Monday Night Raw. Yeah, yeah, he'd be like long dead, and people would just have him on puppet strings, just you know, berating people. But no, it's it's a weird time. Like everyone thinks uh, the main roster is just going to go straight to black and gold NXT. I I kind of think this is going to be more of a Game of Thrones House of Cards situation. I think Vince McMahon officially retired on paper and whatever, but I think he's going to be like the silent, the silent emperor, and nothing's going to change. And at least that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Just so my my expectations are very low. So when Triple H does 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 do something awesome, I'm like so happy. I mean. Based on some of the people that have been relieved of their duties already, I, I feel like this is actually a takeover. And I feel like maybe there's a possibility that this was the long play for Steph and Triple H. And maybe that uh, they might have had something to do with this information getting out there and making sure that more information got out there. Because I feel like after the first initial reports that there was a secretary slash paralegal whatever that Vince McMahon had a, a, a relationship with and the relationship soured and she left the company and he gave her money to not talk about anything that happened while they were there. I thought he could probably survive that one. But when there were like three or four other ones that came out and it went from like three million to twelve and a half million and one of them was a, a former wrestler that uh, feels like she got blackballed because she didn't want to continue on doing whatever things she was being asked to do. So I, I feel like that was kind of the nail in the coffin. Um, but there's some speculation that this could have come from within to get Vince out. So I, I feel like, I don't know. I just, I don't think it's going to be like a Vince Russo thing where they we show up on Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam and he just says, clean slate, we're starting over. I feel like they're going to be smart enough to kind of start transitioning and and just, you know, move from where we're at today to whatever Triple H's vision is going forward. The possibilities uh, sound awesome because we got the, we're on the cusp of the rating change with Triple H at the helm. And if Triple H has as much power as we assume that he was going to have, then we have to address the personal elephant in the room. The door has got to be wide open for the main roster for people that are kind of close to your family. That that is definitely a possibility. Uh, I I you know, 
there's only so much I could or say if I had information. Like, I'm not going to, you know, put their personal business out, especially if I have inside knowledge. But it, I, I think for sure um, that uh, definitely opens the door for, for a return or gives them a little bit of leverage negotiating with AEW. I feel like Candice and Johnny definitely just became hotter commodities now that Triple H is back in power. And uh, I think that's a great thing for them because that gives them a chip when they go to negotiate whoever's offering, going to offer them contracts. Like they can play both sides against each other. And I feel like as a big brother, I'm very excited about the fact that very soon my sister could be financially set and not have to worry about such, you know, things like <laughs> how am I going to pay the phone bill next month? You know, like it's good that that, uh, you know, you can't hope for much more as a big brother uh, than not ever having your, your sister, not ever having to worry about funds or money for the rest of her life, especially with that little, that wonderful little nephew of mine uh, over there. So this is an exciting time now. Lots of questions. Lots of yeah. mystery, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited where it's gonna where it's gonna go. You know, again, the rating change potentially Triple H at the helm. All these guys that are like, you know, if you're if you're keeping up with the product, which I know you're not, but I am. <laughs> no, yeah, I am not. There's a couple of guys that are like at the ready who are clearly like at the at the next. They're about to go to the next level. That the Street Profits kid Montez Ford is going to be. Yeah a top a tippy top guy in about a year or two like this kid he's like he's gonna be the rock and randy orton at the same time that's where he's heading uh it's just unbelievable what he can do and how comfortable he is on the mic and being a character so once that team splits he's gonna do big things and he's gotten like way more jacked uh he he's yeah. definitely he's definitely not skinny anymore they're they got some big things planned for him, and I'm I'm excited to see what Montez Ford is going to bring to the table in the future, especially he's a Triple H guy, too. And, I mean, I have been paying enough attention because I don't think you could possibly miss the monster push that they're giving to Austin Theory right now as we speak. Um, and he's lined up to maybe become the world heavyweight champion at uh, SummerSlam this weekend. Yeah. I'm excited. SummerSlam's on a Saturday, too. Like, that's even better. It is, especially since Ric Flair's last match is on Sunday. Like, I know when this drops, this will all have happened. So, sorry for that, fans. But uh, Do you think Flair's am... dead now? Oh. Since, since, this, since this is airing after <laughs> Sunday, do you think he's dead now? And we just don't know it yet, and we're just saying he is? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I feel like... He's definitely pushed himself to the limit in training to make sure that his heart can handle all of this. I, I imagine he's got doctor's clearances and all of that. However, I did hear a rumor that he wants to do a dive off the top rope to the floor. Uh, so <laughs> it's possible <laughs> that as this airs and our fans get to listen to it, we may have gone back and done some editing. <laughs> See, I, th I think someone's had uh, too many martinis. Cole's on the phone, ladies and gentlemen. On the phone. Fa family stuff. It's my. I, I got uh, family group text, and so I had to check that out to make sure nothing was wrong. But uh, it's good news. Yeah, it's good news. I turn my phone off like a professional, but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, well, as you know, I've had to take work phone calls during recording, so unfortunately I can't turn it off since my name's on the door. 
Yeah, it but, happens. Uh, it happens. Yeah. It definitely happens. But you know, speaking of the food pyramid, you know, you you got like uh, what what would be like the top, the tippy top, like the vegetables, the grains, or the meat? Uh, I think uh, the food pyramid is different. Like the the t- the top of the pyramid is you're only supposed to eat little tiny bits. So like the base of the pyramid is the most important one. That's like the grains and and carbs and fruits and vegetables and stuff. And then like meat is like on the second one. The tippy top is like sugars and fats and shit. But you know, for me, the top of the pyramid is the the peak. It's the pinnacle. Why that's you know. So it's I guess it's a. But reverse. no, actually, no. You you set this up perfectly. So you're saying the tippy top <laughs> is like the sweets and the bullshit and the stuff you shouldn't eat, right? <laughs> yeah, all the stuff that everyone loves. <laughs> yes. So what is the sweetest and most precious thing that even has a staple on our own show, and that is pies. And if we're talking about tippy top guys <laughs> and pies, that's a beautiful transition to why we're here today, Cole. And we're talking about the king of pies. The king of cream pies. The king of cream pies, uh, now dubbed by the creative team. Seriously, Triple H, our number is. So, <laughs> the new generation best wrestler of all time, Doink the Clown, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Enough clowning around. Let's get to why we're here. You know, I had a nice vacation and I had a crazy work week and i was like god i just really need to get drunk and talk about professional wrestling and a clown uh that participated in it uh and that's what i'm doing today i'm two trulys in and i'm getting ready to uh listen to cole tell us the history of doink the clown which is thanks to this show is a lot more over in my heart to me and i hope the audience <laughs> at home i this show has really brought a new light to doink the clown and i hope he has for you too this is another one that's interesting. I feel like Doink the Clown was just the one of the biggest parts of the company ever. And his run is so minimal. Like, he did so few things. Like, he, it's one of the characters. They really treated it like it was a, a special attraction. And so he wasn't wrestling every week. He wasn't on TV that much. He didn't have that many matches. But in late 1992... A character started wandering through the crowd making his appearances, and it was Doink the Clown. He, <clears throat> In his early appearances, he played pranks on other wrestlers, such as Big Boss Man, Tatanka, Marty Jannetty, and finally Crush, where he ended up hitting him with a dummy arm, and that led to his first big feud. Uh, he made Doink the Clown made his in-ring debut in early 1993, uh, beating a bunch of enhancement talents, and building up for his very first big match at WrestleMania 9 versus Crush. Doink the Clown won when a second Doink appeared from out from under the ring, and Crush got confused, and I think he just got counted out. I think that was the finish. It was, uh, the, WrestleMania 9 was kind of the last of the, like, uh, you know, we don't really want to beat somebody, so we're just going to have crummy non-finish matches, but that's what happened. And so he ended up getting the best of Crush and moving on, but the like for the the several months following WrestleMania, he really didn't do much. He had 50-50 booking against guys like Marty Jannetty and Kamala in the Big Boss Man, where he'd win one, lose one, and then uh, he lost competitive matches against guys that were higher up on the crowd on on the card. Mister Perfect, Randy Savage. But the big highlight for Doink the Clown was at SummerSlam 1993, when Jerry the King Lawler was injured. In quotation marks. Air quotes. Case, Air yes. quotes, people on the ears. <laughs> he, Jerry Lawler was injured, so Doink the Clown stepped in to wrestle 
Brett the Hitman Hart for the world title. And Jerry Lawler wasn't injured, so the match ended in disqualification as Lawler and Doink beat the ever-loving crap out of Brett. And then Lawler tried to leave and said, no, 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 you're not injured. You're going to wrestle now. And then Brett and Lawler had a match. Um, <clears throat> but shortly after this, Matt Bourne was fired. Uh, he couldn't, he, he couldn't uh, provide negative tests uh, for substances and whatnot, and so they fired him. And then Doink the Clown kind of disappeared for a while. And then Doink returned with a sidekick. Dink the Clown. That's right. A miniature Doink the Clown. And his name was Dink. Uh, again, one of my grandfather's favorite peoples of all time. Doink and Dink. Uh, this led to a fantastic match that we all loved. Where Men on a Mission and the Bushwhackers dressed as Doink the Clown at Survivor Series. I love this uh, match so much. Yes. This match came at such a perfect time for me. I was seven years old. Uh, well, and, I would yes. have been seven years old when it when it happened. But I watched it on a Coliseum home video like a year or two later from Blockbuster. It was fantastic. And so this match in uh, the Doinks won, and uh, when Bam Bam Bigelow lost and was eliminated, Doink started messing with him, and that led to a feud between Bam Bam and Doink. Uh, at the Royal Rumble 1994, Bam Bam Bigelow eliminated Doink the Clown from the Royal Rumble, and that led to a WrestleMania 10 mixed tag match, I guess? Luna Vachon and Bam Bam Bigelow versus Doink the Clown and Dink. So women equal to midgets. Correct. Okay. Yes. Uh, and, and of course, Bam Bam and Luna won this match. Uh, and then Doink kind of continued losing to mid-card guys, but then he was beating enhancement talents leading up to his second big Survivor Series match in 1994, the one you talked about. Doink and Dink, Pink and Wink versus Jerry the King Lawler and... Queasy, sleazy, and cheesy because, of course, they had to make fun of the Seven Dwarfs names because it's Jerry Lawler and he's a douchebag in character. Uh, but this was, this was probably the biggest win for Doink the Clown as he actually was victorious over Jerry the King Lawler. Um, but very shortly after that, he just became a full-time jobber. And then in October of 1995, Doink disappeared... Uh, from being a permanent fixture in the WWF. So this feels like it was a much bigger deal than it was, but really this was a three-year run. That's all it was. Um, and that's and so he, insane to yeah. think about because he, like, you know, for me, he represents an entire era of wrestling. And his run was so short in the scheme of things. Like, you know, he was all over video games. Like, even when I was a child, you know, he... Like, I go back to that poster analogy. If there was a poster of the New Generation era, Doink would have a big fucking face on it. Well, but even then, there, it's just six pay-per-view matches. Like, I mean, that's it. Doink, like, the, Doink is gone before they really get kicking off even into In Your House. Yeah. So, like... But, like, there's... even, like, the Superstars era, he was on weekly television. Like, he was on all the time. Even if it wasn't a match, he would have a skit at least. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a skit or you know, prank he pulled a prank on somebody something and it just feels like such a bigger part because I think just about everything that Doink was involved in was super memorable. So like even though yeah, it was only six pay-per-view appearances, we remember all of them vividly and it has a special place in our hearts. 
So it's like it's a little perplexing to me that this was only a three year run and he only had six big matches. Like, yeah, the very the very like you know fact that we're having this episode. We usually have this episode for people who've had like wronged careers or maybe like something negative happened. But I think Doink had a great career. I have very fond memories of Doink, but you know, could we turn it up? And I think that's the challenge today. And I think that's always an inter- interesting question and a nice little pivot from the normal. Uh, you know, how could we take something that was already good and turn it up a bit? Yeah, and I, I think that there, I mean, there's literally thousands of guys that would be more than happy to have a run, the uh, you know, equal to what Doink the Clown's run was in WWF. But I feel, I still feel like they dropped the ball a little bit and they missed out on a, a big opportunity. Now, I don't think Doink the Clown ever could have been like a face of the company type guy. But I feel like he, he could have had some title matches and been in there. So, um, I mean, I've got a plan. You've got a plan. Do you want to share yours first, or do you want to give me the honors this time, sir? I think I'll give you the honors this time because I have, like, weeks and weeks worth of notes prepared. Fantastic. So, for me, um, I kind of want to keep everything the same until WrestleMania 9. Because I feel like it was a good start. I was all about Doink and Crush. I think Crush is a good first opponent. Um, and, and I don't think... I, <sighs> Doink obviously isn't the kind of guy that you could just smash over and make them a top guy overnight. So there has to be a little bit of an organic build, I feel like. So for me, after I'm going to pick it up just after WrestleMania 9. So he gets the win over Crush. Um and I'm going to keep Doink strong on TV, have him beaten people. And, of course, I'm going with Matt Bourne, and I'm not firing him for anything because I don't care about him doing drugs as long as he shows up and he can work. It might help. Um, but <laughs> one of the things that I did find in my research is that very shortly after WrestleMania is when the 1-2-3 kid made his debut. And, and so I thought nothing better then Doink's first feud after WrestleMania, then for him to start pranking the little kid in the one, two, three kid, messing with the 17 year old, making him look silly, picking on him. And so I've got him going in, in, you know, messing with one, two, three kid, costing him matches and whatnot until one Razor Ramon decides to get involved and stick up for the one, two, three kid, because he's come to respect this little spunky guy that beat him. And, uh, so on the so this is all leading up to SummerSlam. On the Raws, it, the weeks before SummerSlam, Doink has ha, finally has a match with 123 Kid. Razor sticks up for him and says, "Hey, next week you're going to wrestle Kid." And so Doink pulls off a little Doink magic again. The second Doink appears, distracts Razor Ramon, distracts the ref, so Doink can slip over 123 Kid in some kind of dastardly form or fashion. And then um, that's going to lead to a match at SummerSlam. One, two, three, kid and Razor Ramon versus Doink and Doink. And so both Doinks are going to be wrestling one, two, three, kid and Razor Ramon at SummerSlam. And it's going to be a fun match. It's going to be great. Uh, But with the stipulation that if they win, if Razor and one, two, three, kid win, we get to unmask and wash the faces of the doinks and see who they are. So we go to SummerSlam. We do the thing. They get the win. 
So they take the mask off the first doink, throw a bucket of water in her face. It's Skinner. The guy oh. we all know. It's Skinner. Steve Kern is one of the doinks. So they take off the hood for the second doink, wash his face off, and it's the Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. Amazing. And then on the screen pops up the real Doink the Clown, and he cuts a promo talking about like, oh, I guess I had one more prank in my hands. You guys thought I was going to come down there and let you take my my face off? That's not going to happen. Those aren't the real Doink the Clown. I'm Doink the Clown. I outsmarted you guys, you know, you big dumb razor and you stupid kid. And, and uh, then Razor is going to challenge Doink to a one-on-one match <clears throat> and we're going to oh, first another rematch with one two three kid doink goes over one two three kid you know always cheating always using pranks banana peels buckets all the stuff doink is going over but never clean like he's always finding a way to trip somebody up or get the ref distracted using dirty underhanded tricks so he beats one two three kid and then razor challenges to him to a match and Jerry Lawler is going to come to the aid of Doink the Clown and help him win. And we come to find out that Jerry Lawler is helping Doink because Doink is going to help Jerry Lawler in his feud with Brett the Hitman Hart. So now we've got Lawler and Doink sort of working together to help each other in their singular feuds. But this is going to lead up to a big match at Survivor Series where we've got Doink the Clown... Jerry the King Lawler, Shawn Michaels, and Diesel taking on Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Razor Ramon, and the 123 Kid. And this match is going to go down like this Diesel gets eliminated when Shawn Michaels accidentally super kicks Diesel in the face. And then Shawn is just going to leave and get counted out because now he's upset that he screwed up and he doesn't want to get his ass kicked by Bret Hart. So he's just going to leave. Then Lawler's going to come in from behind, take out one, two, three, kid, hit a pile driver, pin him. Um, and then Razor comes in, cleans house, tags in Brett. Brett and Razor take turns just bouncing Lawler all over the ring. <clears throat> and then uh, he's going to tap out to the sharpshooter. So it's three on one Doink versus Brett Hart, Razor Ramon, and Owen Hart. Doink once again is going to outsmart Razor Ramon and get some kind of a quick pin out of nowhere. And so it's Doink versus Bret Hart and Owen Hart. At some point, the ref is going to get distracted. Doink hits the powder to the face on Bret. And then Owen tags himself in, blind tag, comes in, throws a drop kick, gets Doink out of the way, goes to help Bret. And Bret's blinded, so he wallops Owen right in the face. Just punch, clean punch right to the face. He stumbles back into a schoolboy, one, two, three. And then Owen gets up, pissed off. He hits the enziguri on Brett, leaves him laying. Doink the Clown goes up, hits the whoopee cushion, one, two, three, on Brett Hart in the middle of the ring. Doink beats Razor, Owen, and Brett the Hitman Hart in the same match on the same night. And now we've vaulted him to the next thing. Plus... Razor's distracted by Shawn Michaels after this. So he goes off to the side. Brett and Owen have their own thing. They're trying to reconcile. They're trying to fix things. So they're not focusing on Doink Doink the Clown. So Doink can go off on his own. He doesn't have to keep in these feuds. 
so we can keep him strong. He can wrestle guys like Mr. Perfect, Marty Jannetty, get some wins, have some really good matches on his way to the Royal Rumble. And so uh, Doink's going to be in there somewhere in the middle of the pack, 15, 16, 17. And then about number 20, Brett's going to come in. Brett and Brett cleans house. Him and Doink are going at it. They're fighting all over. Doink's trying to get away. Brett's not letting him. And then the next entrant is Owen. And Owen comes down. Doink's got, or Brett's got Doink in the sharpshooter at this point. Owen comes down, breaks up the sharpshooter. They start fighting. Luger is the next guy in. Everyone's brawling. There's a few more guys. So it starts getting bogged down in the ring. And sorry let me go back a little bit so Owen and Brett are going at it Doink Doink helps Owen they're putting the boots to Brett Luger comes in cleans out bumps Owen all over then he hits the running elbow on Doink and Doink goes flying out of the ring just flying out of the ring and then the match continues and we still have the same finish Brett and Luger go over the top at the same time Right, so we're not going to change history too much here, because yeah. a lot of these things are very important. Brett and Owens' feud is important, and I really so I want to keep that. Sean, obviously, we can't have Sean and Razor not do the ladder match at WrestleMania 10, so we're not going to change that too much. So we have the same finish, Brett and Luger. We go off the air not knowing what happens next night on Raw. We're having an in-ring discussion. We're trying to figure out who won. Doink comes on and shows the video of that he didn't fly over the top rope he threw he flew through the ropes and then left ringside to prank everybody Brett and Luger went over the top rope at the same time so they both were eliminated Doink was never properly eliminated and deserves to be the winner of this Royal Rumble Ooh. however WWE decide WWF who is it? President Tunney well, he was still Jack Tunney at this yeah. point was it not he decides that since Doink left ringside he forfeited his chance but since he wasn't eliminated in in a couple weeks on Monday Night Raw Doink was going to get a title shot against Yokozuna and Brett and Lex Luger are going to have a singles match to decide who gets the main event at WrestleMania? So instead of having the two matches, um, you know, Brett and Owen's going to be great whenever it happens, so we're going to push it down the road just a hair. Just a hair. But Brett beats Lex Luger, so he's the number one contender. And Doink gets his title match. So during the match, we have the appearance of the two doinks again. The extra doinks start coming down to the ring. And Luger and Brett go down to, fa- to to beat up the doinks because they don't want this to happen. And, you know, even though Brett and Luger just had a bad, you know, a match, they're still both good guys. They're still both respectful. So the referee goes to break up the wild brawl that's out there. Corny gets in the ring. Jim Cornette with the racket goes to hit Doink the Clown. Doink moves. He hits Yoko. Doink cream pies Corny, throws him out of the ring. Motherfucker! 
and Doink the Clown pins Yokozuna one, two, three to become the WWF champion to go on to WrestleMania 10 to wrestle Bret the Hitman Hart. And since Doink is the champion, he starts cutting promos about how he's going to turn WrestleMania 10 into into an insane circus, a demented circus. And everything's going to be about him. And we're going to have <clears throat> we're going to have clowns and uh, we're going to have a, a circus tent set and we're going to have all kinds of deranged music and calliope music. And we're going to have anim- circus animals and everything's going to be just a little bit deranged and off. And Doink versus Bret Hart is your main event at WrestleMania 10 in the in Doink's insane circus and I don't care what happens. Of course, Brett's winning and moving on to feud with Owen Hart for the title after that. But we're going to get that one the, run of Matt at, Bourne. At the Garden. At the Garden. <laughs> at WrestleMania 10. Oh, man. Burt Reynolds and everything. Yeah. He, get, he gets chased by a Burt beard. Reynolds with the red nose in a yeah, get, getting hit on by a by a bearded lady, <laughs> by Yerple. Yes. yes, no bearded lady who totally wins. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! You can't get more 1994 than that. I'm sorry, I love Correct. it. Correct. Oh, and so is that how is that how your your angle's ed- ending? Yeah, pretty much. He After went on that, a whole think... adventure. Like yes, yes, that's amazing. Yes. He went on a tear. Like he was beating guys, and then he actually main evented WrestleMania. Yes, you gave yes. him a you gave him a much bigger push than I did, uh, but I'm all for it because like now I'm like now I'm like going back with a bit of hindsight. I'm like, man, that is a little bit better than like that convoluted WrestleMania angle. You know, right. oh, we're gonna wrestle, but then they're gonna wrestle, and then oh the, yeah, then we're I, gonna wrestle again. I just made it more convoluted by having a three three way tie for the winner of the Rumble. Yeah, and they had to just fix it on the fly with a clown. <laughs> with Doink the Clown. Oh gosh, I love it. Like the absurdity of the character getting that kind of a push is like is why I love it so much. Oh yeah, and, and I mean and after WrestleMania, it's kind of downhill from there. He's all I think we can turn him into a baby face and get something similar after that. I mean, but I just I love the idea. I think it would have got over big, and I think Brett winning, the only way that it could have backfired is if if is if Matt Bourne Doink just got so over that the fans kind of turned on Brett a little bit. Oh but, my god. But I think if I think if we have him picking on one, two, three kid all year and him just every match he wins is cheap and with the refs back turned and just like I think he'd even get heat for beating Yoko. Like <laughs> Oh for sure. The clown beat Yoko? Yeah. No! Oh. I'm excited, I gotta tell you. And, you and know, he cream pied Jim Cornette. That's absolutely. The most part. Uh, and, and I bet he loved it too. He's used to taking pies in the face. Uh, yeah, I, I, that makes it even more excited because we definitely gotta find a way to combine our two uh, angles together because what you did, you gave him a full like year of a run. I went with an angle of all angles that could last a year, and I think I'm gonna make it last a year. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I love this era of wrestling because it made the most sense because everything was like enhancement matches. You know, you, you, if you have a character that you want to get over, he just beats everybody literally like, you know, just go out there and have like minutes matches and just beat everyone, assert their dominance, have a skit here and there and build something between two people that are having 
the equal type of push to make it interesting. And that's then exa- I beat everybody. Absolutely. And he's honking noses and creaming pies up and down the roster. And uh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, we have a match going on in the ring. And it's Undertaker versus an enhancement talent, of course. Because that's what you do on uh, Superstars or Monday Night Raw or whatever. There's always the Undertaker match where he's going to tombstone somebody and put them in a body bag or whatnot. And... All of a sudden, we got Dwight the Clown coming out during Undertaker's match on a scooter, just kind of riding around the ring, just trying to, you know, get the attention of the audience, get the attention of the uh, performers in the ring. It's not working. Undertaker's stoic. He may have given him a look here and there, but he's definitely agitating Paul Bear. Paul Bear's just cr- holding his urn close, like, whoa, what the hell is this? Uh? And then he just kind of leaves, and Undertaker wins the match. And, like, you know, and, and when he wins the match and doesn't really sell Doink or the presence of Doink, Doink kind of gets a little, you know, upset. You know, just a little sad face, but like, you know, the way Doink would do it. And, you know, this happens like for a few weeks, you know, and while this is happening, Doink is having his enhancement matches and beating the shit out of everyone and, you know, doing his thing, bullying people, pranking people, but doing it in a way to piss people off. And on just on his own time, he just likes attempting to distract the Undertaker. And finally, Undertaker has a championship match as a, at a pay-per-view. We'll just call it the Royal Rumble, you know, just because the beginning of the year. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, Doink, you know, just gets frustrated and just pie faces Paul Bear. Already, we're cream pieing Paul Bear. And just, yes. oh, no! And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's creamy. <laughs> oh. So that happens, and finally, that gets Undertaker's attention. I mean, like, a cream pie to Paul Bear would get yeah. anybody to stop and look. Um, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a car accident, you know, where you kind of slow down on the freeway. You just, <laughs> except it's, it's, just, it's just the fat mortician getting cream pied. Uh, so. <laughs> we're, we're doing this now. So, uh, so Undertaker leaves the ring and chases after Doink. He gets counted out. Doink just cost the Undertaker his championship match. And so now Undertaker wants to fight Doink. And Doink the Clown comes out and finally, you know, uh, talks about what his motives are he's like i don't want to fight i just want to make the undertaker smile i want to make him laugh he doesn't laugh he doesn't smile and he really needs it and i'm the guy to make it happen and it's my goal not to beat him not to fight him but to make him smile to have him in touch with his feelings so (laughs) he offers him a nice comedy card to read like you know read this i'm pretty sure you'll crack a smile undertaker reluctantly opens it and woof big fireball to the face and Doink the Clown starts beating the teetotal shit out of Undertaker and oh, nice. and is the first person on the roster. This is 1993. You know, Taker's maybe lost a couple matches, but this is like the first times he's been left laying. And it's by the deranged clown. And in the most, like, horrific way, a freaking fireball. Uh, so he beats the crap out of uh, Taker. Paul Bear's sitting there just screaming, yodeling, oh, no! And, uh... And, and Dwight the Clown, as we go off the air, beats the Undertaker up so much that he draws a smiley face on his face and holds his face to the camera and laughs maniacally as we go off the air. And I think that's just poetic. I think it's fantastic, yes. especially the way you set that up as kind of as going silly, 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 fun, 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 and then boom, out of nowhere fireball explodes in undertaker's face that's fantastic super serial went from bro yes yes 
Uh, so the next week, Paul Bear is out there, and he's, you know, distraught, and just, you know, oh, no, and just like, you you hurt my Undertaker, he didn't deserve that, and so, Paul, so Dwank comes out and says, you know, I apologize, Paul, I, I didn't mean it, I just really wanted to, I really wanted to put a smile on his face, and I think I did that, I think I achieved that, Paul. You know, I just want to. I just want to express my apologies, and I'm so sorry. And Paul just doesn't want to accept his apology. He uh, Doink tries to give him a card too, but Paul's too smart for that, so he just throws the card away. He's like, "Well, I'll just settle for a handshake then." And then Paul Bear goes to give him the handshake, and then you can obviously all hear on the PA because it's wrestling. And of course, as we would expect. Paul Bear is getting electrocuted by a hand buzzer, and what better noise to hear than ah! 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 <laughs> Like think of Home Alone 2 when Marv is getting electrocuted by the sink. Ah! 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 Oh, now that's that is gripping television. So we got Paul Bear getting electrocuted by the hand by Dwight the Clown. And we cut to commercial, and it's it's and it's super serial. Yeah, because Paul Bear is a big man; he could have had a heart attack from that. Now, after this, Dwight the Clown steals the urn. Oh no! So he has the urn now, and so the next week he comes out with the urn, and it's got it's got a clown face painted on it with a little nose just on the t- on the end of it. And now he is claiming that the urn is the source of his power. And he believes in the power of laughter, and he's going to spread laughter and joy from here on in. And he starts having even more dominating matches, claiming that the urn is what is making him more powerful. Finally, after a few weeks of this, the urn is just sitting there at ringside. And in the middle of the match, we, hear, we see the lights go out and a beam of light hit the urn, and Doink the Clown is staring at it, just kind of like, you know doing his shit, giggling but nervously, and all of a sudden the clown face starts to melt off the urn. And then we hear the gong and the lights go out again. And the lights come back on and there's the Undertaker, a figure standing in the ring. His hair's down, his hat and coat are on. Doink the Clown is like laughing in fear, but like maniacal. He's not leaving the ring. He's standing his ground, but he's clearly, he's going full Joker. And the Batman just appeared. And Undertaker slowly takes off his hat and then whips his hair up, and the Undertaker has got a purple clown nose and purple blush on his face, and the audience is stunned. We don't know what to think of this. And Taker slowly raises the microphone and tells Doink, "What you did to Paul last week was shocking." <laughs> whole thing to set up a dad joke right now <laughs> so Dwight the clown stares at him and starts like laughing hysterically <laughs> wait what are you doing and then taker continues bullying paul may have been easy as pie but beating you will be a piece of cake and then Dwight just like <laughs> and starts belly laughing and collapsing and being in pain what are you doing it's, it comes clear that Doink the Clown's weakness all along was laughter. 
and the Undertaker is using jokes to weaken Doink. <laughs> so Undertaker tells him, you and I are going to fight, but you're not facing the Undertaker. You're facing the Pundertaker. And Dwight the Clown is like, no! <laughs> and so for a few weeks leading up to SummerSlam, the Undertaker is terrorizing Dwight the Clown with jokes to the point where Dwight the Clown cannot handle it anymore and he wants to fight Taker. I need to put an end to this. I am the one who is funny. You're not funny. The Undertaker's not funny. I'm supposed to make you smile. You're not supposed to make me smile. That's not how this works. So I'm going to fight you and I'm going to defeat you. Fine. And much like my jokes, this Sunday, you're going to get it. <laughs> no! <laughs> this is so oh. oh, all of this writing took place in your garage for sure. <laughs> where creativity lives so we finally get to the match we finally get to the match and it's a barn burner like you know it's back and forth back and forth and finally Dwight the clown because the undertaker is telling him jokes in the middle of a match and that's how he's getting weakened like just all of these awesome jokes and then finally Dwight the clown gets to a point where he gets another fireball just shoots it off in undertaker's face behind the referee's back and then handcuffs him and duct tapes his mouth so he can't tell a joke. <laughs> and then beats him down even more and then manages to whoopee cushion him while he's handcuffed and gets the three count. He wow. beats The Undertaker on the a pay-per-view. The Pundertaker, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh. He beats The Pundertaker. And The Undertaker the next day says... Okay, fine. You defeated the Pundertaker. The Pundertaker is no more. By the way, I'm totally burying the Undertaker. He's never going to make it no out of this shit. angle. But yeah. we're He's making Doink. Over again. I'm sacrificing Taker for Doink this week. But it's great because we're getting, we're getting to a great place. So the Undertaker finally drops the Pundertaker. He's like, all along, the Undertaker is the one that needs to put you to rest. So he finally challenges Doink. He's like, we need to put you to rest and we need to bury this clown. So I'm challenging you to a buried alive match. And then Doink is just going to accept it. Because now he's to the point where like, you know my weakness. I can't have you here. There's no way. So yes, I'm going to bury your ass at the next pay-per-view. Let's just call it. Fuck it. This is WrestleMania. This is WrestleMania, <laughs> baby. Buried alive. Undertaker and Doink the Clown. 1994. WrestleMania 10. Undertaker wasn't on that card, so I think this is vastly better than the mixed quotations mixed tag match. Let's see someone there get buried. So now we have this match. This time it's the Undertaker versus Doink the Clown. Doink's gonna get the upper hand, and then he gets Taker down so long that he puts him in a body bag. And his goal is to body bag him and give him the whoopee cushion while he's in the body bag. So he does it. He nails the whoopee cushion. While Taker's in the body bag, and he starts laughing, and he's getting ready to drag his ass to the to to the grave, but then all of a sudden, lightning bolt hits the body bag, and then it it zips open, and it sit, and he sits up, and he and he comes out, and he's got the fucking nose and blush back on, baby, and he looks right at Doink and says, "Looks like the cat's out of the bag." No, 
and then it's a big fiery comeback. Oh, yes, I'm about to put the fun back in funeral. Wham! No! <laughs> Up until now, Doink, you have earned my respect. No! Oh, just hits him after he hits him with every single, oh. uh, every single, for lack of a better term, punchline. He's hitting him with all these punchlines <laughs> and hitting him with all these jokes, and they finally fight their way up to the grave. And then Doink gets the upper hand, and he looks and he says, Where's all the dirt? The dirt's gone. Where's, there's no dirt anywhere. And then Taker looks at him and goes, Looks like we're going to have a clean finish. Oh. No! <laughs> Stop being funny! It's not funny that you're funny. Oh, you've made a grave mistake, Doink. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, what's the matter? You don't like my dark humor? <laughs> and then choke slams him into the grave and then raises the arms like he's raising the lights. And all of a sudden, a bunch of fucking fruit, strawberries, blueberries, all these berries land into the grave. And all you see is a fucking nose, a clown nose just sticking out laughing maniacally in defeat and undertaker says looks like someone was buried alive oh my god (laughs) and then one final berry hits the nose and then the match is over (laughs) (laughs) buried alive You're so proud of yourself. (laughs) Fucking Ron. So in an Uh. effort to try to combine both of these stories. (laughs) Yeah, that can take place immediately following my WrestleMania 10. And we'll have the first in your house called Buried Alive. (laughs) Amazing. You know, actually, this would probably save WrestleMania 11. Oh, there you go. So thoughts? Retorts? Tweaks? (laughs) Uh, as Triple H, if you're listening. <laughs> You've got it. A great angle. We're going to bury all kinds of people. <laughs> and lots of cream pies. So what was your favorite Pundertaker dad joke today? Uh, well, I mean, the first one caught me off guard. Like, I know. You know, it was like, we, <laughs> you're building up this storyline with the undertaker (laughs) (laughs) just the idea the visual of the undertaker looking up with the cloud nose on and purple blush it says what you did last week was shocking You worked me on this one, bro. You're like, bro, as soon as you said Doink the Clown, I had ideas, and I've been writing for weeks, and I'm like, man, I got to come up with something good, because Ron is going to kick the shit out of this one, because he had inspiration immediately, (laughs) and it was all based on dad jokes. (laughs) 
I worked very hard on this. It just wasn't serious. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I did work for weeks on this. And it's yeah. and as soon as you said Dwight the Clown, I was like, yes. Oh, yes. I, you, you absolutely. I feel like there was definitely some rewrites on this and just finding, like, I feel like you came up with punchlines and then backed in the story and tried to figure out where to place them. <laughs> Oh man, oh. no! I had I had so many like rewrites, like you know the Undertaker where he went to heaven. I I imagine uh -huh. instead of it was all heels, I would make it just all doinks. Yes. Just every just a bunch of doink clones, and you have no idea who the real doink is, and then all of a sudden you just see fucking uh, someone just get real animated and climb up to the top rope, and he whoopee cushions Undertaker through the casket, and that's how he put him oh, in the my casket. God, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that was that was on there. I was like, no, nah, it's too good. I'm going back to puns. <laughs> going back to the pundertaker <laughs> yes no i needed one serious angle the fucking fireball in, in the birthday card was it oh, for me i just gotta say that was some brilliant storytelling there because it's uh it it you did you kept everyone guessing uh up until the first punchline and then it was like <laughs> oh it was, fun. It was payoff ever since it was a pay it was a long payoff ever since the shocking joke <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but like I said, you know, the start of it, I'm like, okay, yeah, something with the Undertaker, okay. And you're like, oh, I just need to put a smile on his face. And then it got real dark real fast. And I'm like, okay, this is great. This would work. Yeah. This would absolutely be fantastic. <laughs> and then you reveal the Undertaker, and it's just ridiculous and fantastic. Oh, that is great, Ronald. I've got no problems with your storyline other, <laughs> other than self-admitting that this would absolutely bury the undertaker <laughs> would it <laughs> i'm pretty sure maybe yeah undertaker dropped a bunch of fruit <laughs> i can't wait for the audience at home to listen to this uh, yes i feel like there's going to be some people pulling over in their cars when you get to that punchline or do whatever they're doing they're going to get to that punchline and everyone's going to lose their shit because like you that was just brilliant storytelling my friend like you kept everyone on the okay oh you you know twists and turns all along the way and kept us guessing whether it was going to be serious or not until the last minute and then just a uh, five minute roller coaster of laughs and that's just fantastic i am uh thoroughly <clears throat> uh yeah i'm th i thoroughly enjoyed today's episode and recording this I'm so glad that I had an idea that paid off for once. That was fantastic, <laughs> Ron. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, all right. So, so you do have you want... the schedule, sir. I do. Little... <laughs> do you want to talk about what we're doing next week? There will be no cream pies. There'll be no hand buzzers. There'll be no dad jokes. Well, there might be a couple of dad jokes. But next week, we're going back to a top ten, and we haven't done one of these in a while. But it's going to be one near and dear to our hearts. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, a new topic, a new set of names that we're going to be talking about. We're going the top 10 broadcasters in professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Commentators, broadcasters, voices of wrestling. We're going to be talking about them. It's going to be the most we've ever talked about Hugo Savinovich. <laughs> Probably the only time. We'll talk about Hugo Savinovich, so we'll make sure that we uh, we we talk him up and <laughs> and do him right next week. But uh, man, I don't know if I can deal with an episode without cream pies. Um, but maybe maybe we could talk about puppies next week. That would be topical for what for the uh, commentators or 
broadcasters of professional wrestling. It's a great subject matter. Oh, God, I'm still laughing. This is fantastic. So, next week, top 10 broadcasters in professional wrestling history. Uh, that one's definitely going to be hotly debated. But uh, that's going to do it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, cream pies for all. Uh, we love you. Thank you. And good night. Mwah! Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.